for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. So Father, I pray today you'd help us as we look at this important subject of turning the volume down to hear you. Amen. Wow. Has anybody got, at the moment, any problem with their feet? Conditions with their feet? Could you stay here? One, two, two, three, four, five. God wants to touch you, even during the preach this morning. But I feel God wants to say to you, you need to seek him even more. You need to seek him even more. Asa had something wrong with his feet. Don't take the analogy too far if you read into the story, but something wrong with his feet. And God's pleasure could have been on him in a greater way than it was because he just went straight to the physicians and didn't seek God. And I think it's... I'm not, please don't hear me what I'm not saying, that therefore we don't seek... Um, mus- um, not musicians, doctors. <laughs> seek musicians as well, they can pray over you. <laughs> but the issue is, for Asa... He didn't see it with God's getting his attention. And you're special people. Those of you who put your hand up, you're very special because God's going to do an even deeper thing in you and he's going to be more fruitful than you've ever been in your life. So seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord in a deeper way. And that's true for all of us, but especially for those of, those of you that have um, feet issues at the moment because it's uh, blessed are those have got the, what is it, the shoes, the sandals of the gospel of peace. There's a fruitfulness coming upon you. So, Father, I pray that even as I speak, Lord, that, that there will become healing and strength. And in that too, Father, there would be a passion and a hunger for you like they have never known before, these dear friends, to seek you. Okay, so we're going to, we're, we're doing this um, discipleship program. Any guests here today where we're, first of all, we're been encouraging people, first of all, to look up to God. That's really important. Connect with God daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Then to look in, to develop, God wants to develop our character, and that happens in community, not just us and God on a desert island. Then if we're doing that, what the outcome, outflow of that will be, that there will be going out. There will be stories coming out of our own life, not just talking about it, but the stories coming out of our own life because we've been looked up, God's been doing the work within us, the outflow will be going out. Do we agree with that? So we could be expectant as God's people for that to happen. The secret is we need to develop a relationship, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not make no apologies for this, but we need to develop our relationship with Father so we hear the Holy Spirit's voice. That is so important because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So it's pretty important, isn't it? Can we all have a nod? Yes. Right? That we need to hear, that's God's voice, that's, that's the deal. You're born again and you can hear God's voice, you've got to develop it, right? You've got to develop that ability to hear. And I want to ask you three questions. What does it take for God to get your attention? What does it take, God, to get your attention? Secondly, what needs to happen for him to get you positioned to fulfil your destiny? It may be there will be a, a, some adjustment needs to be happen so that you're positioned for that next phase of your life because God can do that. And thirdly, how do you protect yourself from going off track? 
So you're not running around like a headless chicken trying to find, um, do the next thing and hoping God's with you. Jesus didn't do that. We're learning to live like Jesus. That's what it's all serious about. And Jesus did nothing unless he heard the Father speak. You know, we are all special to him. Every one of us in this room is special and unique. You're created in his image. Whether you're wearing shorts or trousers this morning, you're special to God. We all have been uniquely gifted to fit into his plan and purpose, to see God's power and flood and fill the earth. Yeah, you're still with me. That's why you've been born again. You've been called. You've been called out. You are the called out ones to call more others out into God's purposes. Until, this will happen until Jesus returns to earth. And And as an ambassador of Christ... He appoints us for purpose. You've been appointed for purpose. It's all over you. People can see the change in your life because you're an ambassador now for Jesus. They see the transformation and it's attractive. We agree, don't we, that when Jesus transforms, we become a bit more attractive in a very dull world. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light on a hill that cannot be hid. So sometimes he gives us a new commission. He can do that. He can give you a new commission. He could call you to leave this church and go to another church. Or we've seen it with Helen and uh, um, last week with uh, the, the Stuart and Francis Clear. They had a commission to go because he's the king. He's the one that writes the commission. We are no longer our own. I'm here and Sue's here. In this church, as we start, when we started 2002, because God had a commission on our lives, and we thought we'd done all the hard work, we're going to stay in Norwich. We had, had three buildings, it had grown, and we thought, great, we can relax now. But we're not our own. So we have to, that's the starting point for us this morning. God could speak to you today. He could speak to you next week. You do not belong to yourself any longer. You gave that up with all your sin. You're on an exciting journey and he may call you to stay. <laughs> and that's the exciting journey. The important thing is you need to be where God has called you. yeah? Because home is where you're called. Home is where you're called. And if the Holy Spirit is fashioning something deep in your inner life and character, a change of scenery does not make the grass taste any greener. Well, I'll go somewhere else because it would be better. I'd be better. No, no. It doesn't work like that. God does the work where you are, then he sends you. So today we're, we're spending time looking at the question, what is my mission? You've got to, I don't know what your mission is. I can tell you the big backdrop picture, but you will have special mission that God's called it upon you to fulfill. And we need to, that's the joy of following Jesus. He had the 12, and one of the, tw- uh, the, 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 um, the night before Jesus was crucified, um, no, sorry, after the, after the resurrection, beg your pardon, um, they were talking, individual disciples were talking to Jesus, and they're saying, what about him? And Jesus said, well, it's not, of his bus- well, it's not your business what happens to him, you follow me. Mm. It's often about other people, no, you, you follow me. 
Well, I want to go, but God wants you to stay. I want to stay and God wants you to go. It belongs to God. He can move the furniture around, can't he? You see, we've got to understand that church is is not like a dead sea where it all just comes in and doesn't go out. There's, There's death then. Jesus will build his church, will send people out, and he'll send some more in. More people get born again. That's a, this is the life of God. It's a, this is a unique, supernatural family. Now, 90% of God's will for you has already been revealed in the Bible. You know that, don't you? Please nod. Good. Love God with everything you've got. Develop godliness, faithfulness, pray for the sick. Be generous, don't gossip or slander, rejoice and always be thankful. If you do that, that would be pretty brilliant. But the other 10% is important too. So the question is, what was I born for into your purposes, Father? What are you gifted me? What's the giftings and callings you have on my life? Now they can change, but it's important each stage you know where, hey, this is where I'm meant to be, I went to go because that's what God has put in my heart. Where's the best fit for me currently? In the workplace or in God's... God's concerned about what you do. He really is. The the reason for that is he wants you to be fruitful for mission. Because you are the salt of the earth. You're the light on a hill in a very drab world. It's very drab, isn't it? It's very drab. You light it up. You light up your street. And if you currently sense God might be about to turn over a new page of your life, whether it's a greater hunger for him or a change or a change of attitude within your marriage, whatever, I want, that's what I want to speak to today. I, I, I urge you to, to take heed of the words of King Asa in, in, to Jude. I'm reading through um, uh, Chronicles at the moment. I think it's one Chronicles. And, and King Asa said this, It's time, Judah, to seek the Lord. It's time. There's a, it's always good to seek the Lord, but there are times when it's really good to seek the Lord, to give yourself to prayer. And God sometimes will wait for you to see how hungry you are for him, to take you to that next level of fruitfulness and encounter with him so that you may be a blessing to others. And the process of dialing down the noise to hear God more clearly is available to all of us. You can all do that. And there are a few better guys in the Bible at walking through this process than the prophet Elijah. Because there's so many noises, aren't there? You know, I used to not be able to drive unless I was listening to Radio 1. Then as I get old, it's Radio 2. And uh, I skip Radio 3 and I'm resisting Radio 4. And I'm going to heart, you know, FM. It's, there's always noise, isn't there? Then you have, if, if, if you're married, you have kids, and you have the noise of the kids. It's just like, it, it's never ending. And if we're going to hear God's voice, we're going to have to turn down the volume. And if you're at a bit of a crossroads at the minute, I'm speaking to you. So, the background to Elijah. If, you want, if you've got um, your Bible or phone... If you must have a phone for this, don't Google anything else. Stay in the picture. Stay in the, stay in the moment. Um, 1 Kings 19. This is a story. 
Actually, could somebody read it out um, loud? Is anybody, who's got a loud voice? 1 to 19. Could they come and read it for me? Give my voice a break. Rich? Good man. Is there, is there a microphone there? Thank you. 1 Kings 1 to 19. Ahab, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had been killed, all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, where, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he went himself, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went into the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Hebron, the mount of God. Keep going. And then he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of the hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by him, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face to his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, There came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of the hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king of Syria and Jehu, the son of Nishi, and you shall appoint, you shall anoint to be king of Israel and Elisha, the son of Sephap of Abel, you shall appoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Sephat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast down upon, 
cast his cloak upon him. Thank you, Richard. That's excellent. Next story. Background to this was that Elijah had been used by God. To Elijah, he was about to enter a time of transition in his calling. Interesting to note that this gear chain was precipitated by overwhelming feelings of inadequacy, even depression, as he allowed self-pity and disillusionment to take hold. He even prayed that he might die. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Don't put your hand up, I don't want to know. I prayed that prayer. When we first came to Ashford, um, some of you know I got hit by a multiple um, a reactive arthritis all over my body. And I've never known pain like it. And there was at one time I said, Jesus, I want you to take me home. I'm glad that God doesn't answer all my prayers. <laughs> and so Sue, I mean, Sue may have been glad. No, she's, she's very glad that God didn't answer all my prayers. But we were in a spiritual battle. We were taking some wallpaper off a wall in the middle bedroom. And underneath the wallpaper, there's a spiritual occultic sign has been painted on the wall underneath the wallpaper. We found out there was a covenant on the house we had bought that you weren't supposed to have Christian meetings in this room, in this room, in this house when we bought in Ashford. You're saying, why? Well, the person who built it, his daughter, we found out, one of his daughters was saved through the Salvation Army and he was so against it when he built these houses in Ashford. That was in the covenant. That could be intimidating. If one thing was enough, it was bad. But for three things, that you had to press on through. Because I knew that we were called. Sometimes a spiritual attack causing unsettledness precedes a supernatural breakthrough. Do you agree with that? It's just the reality. Sometimes a spiritual attack to stop you pressing through causes an unsettledness, it precedes a spiritual breakthrough. Jesus himself, himself, at the start of his public ministry, he was, is an interesting one, he was led by the Holy Spirit into wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, I can't get my head around that. How can the Son of God be led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days? But Jesus was having built into his life some spiritual capital because he was going to notch up some spiritual victories that would be essential for him in future, his future ministry. And you know that when he came out of the desert of wilderness, having been tempted for 40 days, it says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was led by the Spirit in... He had a tough time. He, came, he said, no, it's written. Satan, it said, he left him until an opportune moment. But, but because he walked through this difficult time well, he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went into the temple at Capernaum and he, and he wrote from, read from Isaiah and he said, this day, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing about the deaf will hear, the blind will see. He moved in power because he dealt in private with selfish vainglory because he knew as he moved in power, he wouldn't want to touch it. He wouldn't want to touch the fame. 
right? He had to move in supernatural power of provision. Had he not stuck it out in the desert when he hadn't got provision, there's a question whether or not he would have been there feeding the 5,000. There's a question. That's spiritual capital. So you get spiritual capital through the tough times, not just the good times. The, tough, the spiritual capital that you will, will be produced in you by walking things through, it then is a platform for the next season. You see, Elijah was about to move, change of gear for him from being a doer of the supernatural activity of God to becoming a disciple of the supernatural activity of God in Elisha, who did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Jesus was very wise how he spent his life, his public life, raising up disciples who would then go. Because you raise disciples, doesn't mean they've all got to stay. They will go because God is the author of salvation and he's the caller. But we see in Elijah at that time one depressed man. He misinterpreted the current problems and didn't understand what God was preparing him for. He had become myopic in his thinking. Thankfully, God saw the bigger picture. And in looking today at the understanding of our personal mission... You know, church, we have to see it's against a backdrop of a bigger, a bigger picture. When Sue and I did one of our cycling trips, our mammoth ones down to the south of France, um, we, we got this French map and ripped it all up and stuck it with sellotape right across the land so we could see from start to finish, Calais down to Montpellier. And, uh, and Sue just, she just, if I can't beat him up, no, if I can't, if I'm not going to be a cycling, he's not going to be a cycling widower. Is that right? I'll join him. So, she, so we're pedalling along one day, and she says, how far are we? How far to go? I said, look, we're at the fireplace. We're nearing the, we're, if you keep going, we'll be at the television, then we'll be at the windows. Because we had a picture of the backdrop of where we were going with it. And you and I easily just don't look at the big picture. We look at the individual map on, page on the map. We, we are living in huge days, aren't we? I was going to talk about the doomsday clock, but that's another one. It depresses you if you're not a Christian. It excites you if you are a Christian, because it's about three minutes to midnight, apparently, for all these sociologists uh, are counting down the hours and the weeks and the months and the years. What's happening in our globe? It's about three minutes to midnight at the moment on the doomsday clock. We should be excited, because yeah. the king is at the door, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I used to say, Lord, I want you to come back, not till I'm married. That's what I said. <laughs> He's a good God. But there will be godliness, church, in the last days. The Apostle Paul wrote this, prophetically, I believe. But understand this, he said, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying their power. That's the backdrop. And our personal quest for financial security and fulfilment should, it, it is flawed because it, it, God's our provider. 
and it's against this backdrop of global mission. God is calling us and positioning us to go out there because he wants the whole earth to be filled with his glory. He really does. We're seeing global revival taking place. Honestly, uh, we're lagging behind in the West. (laughs) We really are. But God is calling and equipping people because they know what their mission is. We heard, I had this story on Thursday morning from a, 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 the Bedford Church. There's one guy there, he's, he said, I want to be more courageous for Jesus. So he prayed, I want to be more courageous for him. So they went, you know, went to see the shack. Has anybody seen the shack? Yeah. Okay. He felt, God say to him, I dare you to stand at the front before the start of the meeting, film, and say, look, we're Christians, this is a religious film. If anybody wants prayer at the end of the meeting, come and see me, and sat down. That's courage, isn't it? I think I would have done that when I was 18, but not now I'm, you know, how old. But that happened in our country by somebody in one of our churches. So there was stunned silence for three minutes. At the end of the meeting, people left. Nobody came to them. End of the film. Sorry, I think religious jargon here. There was two ladies sitting there. They they were riveted to the chair. He went over to them and he said, are are you okay? And he said, yeah. And he got talking to one of the ladies. He led her to Christ. There's great things happening. But we're, a, we're woven into the story, aren't we? But he was willing to be positioned. He counted the cost. And he dared himself to trust God. But Elijah lived with eternity in view. He overcame even with his like passions to resist assimilation into a godless world culture. So what did he do? Well, first of all, Elijah got himself some much needed rest. Now, that's, that's not very spiritual. It is. It is so important for you to get rest. Okay. Don't make life-changing decisions when you are emotionally drained, overtired, overworked, or depressed. Not good. Not, not good. Elijah rested up in a quiet place, away from the distractions. God sent him a tray of angel cakes, some sparkling water, and Elijah began to reconnect with God in prayer rather than mutter self-pity prayers. And when God wanted to speak to our tired and emotional drained superhero, here's what happened to Elijah. He prayed, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am better, no better than my ancestors. Then he fell asleep. Now, I know that's some of your experience. I know that sometimes you pray prayers like that because you're like Elijah. James says, Elijah was a man like us, with like passions, but he prayed. God's a good God. He loves you. He loves hearing you pray. He slept, then he ate, and he slept again. This sounds, what a great preach. This is a grand, I want more of this. Preach it, brother, preach it, brother. So sometimes God's will is for you to take time out to sleep, extra sleep, extra food, and rest. Wow, yeah. Thank you, Sue. Because that was God's purpose for Elijah. To position him in in readiness to hear the Holy Spirit. The other week, Sue and I were both very tired. And uh, we we set in place a strategy to address it. Hunkered down, scheduled in three really early nights, just to sleep. Extended time in devotions, good food, quietness, reflection. Totally refreshed hearing God. It's simple. Then after Elijah rested, second thing, 
the Holy Spirit begins to give him directions as to what to do next, to go and spend extended time in God's presence. That's fascinating, isn't it? So what then God said to him, I want to have more time with you, extended time to hear me, to dial down even further, to put the mute button on. And I'm going to speak to you. This is a life-changing thing for Elijah. There was a time for him to feast and there's a time to fast. He didn't eat any food in that time. And we have to learn when to buffet and buffet and buffet. It's spelled the same. It's spelled the same, isn't it? It's not spelled... I can't can't work that out. Why is it spelled the same? Anybody, any French people in the... They they will know because they say it properly with buffet. Okay, buffet. The Apostle Paul says, I buffet my body. And so often I will more buffet my body than buffet my body. There's a place for both. Jesus was a wine-bibber and a glutton. He knew how to party, but he also knew how to buffet his body. Wow. Unless you've got a medical condition that stops you buffeting your body, that's what I say, we want to live live like Jesus. Jesus did that. He he went without food. He'd have to do it for 40 days. 40 minutes is a good time sometimes, isn't it? Or till tea time. But it tunes your spiritual receptors to hear God more clearly. It's a bit of a mystery. Andrew Murray said this, fasting helps express, deepens, confirms the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Bill Johnson, in talking about, in, in discovering our purpose, he says, prayer and fasting is to be an integral part of this quest. Elizabeth Elliot said this, our way to begin to see how vastly indulgent we usually are is to fast. It's not a long, it is a long day that is not broken by the usual three meals. One finds out with astonishing amount of time is spent in planning, purchasing, preparing, eating and cleaning up for meals. In other words, well, I've got time to pray. Well, carve out time. Carve out time. Even the nutritionists, they say it's good for you. But we're talking about the spiritual benefit of saying, I'm going to seek God. I'm, going to, I'm not going to just go and do it and think, well, I think I've heard God. It looks right. No, seek God. Seek God. Because he, he wants to talk with you. He's a, he's a dialogue in God. And it gives you time to go through what God has said prophetically to you before. Get the notes out. If you've got any prophecies over your life, keep them. Any words in the past you've spoken to you through the Bible, and you should have. Breathe, Lord, Lord, breathe on them again. Because Jesus would only do what he saw the Father doing. And sometimes his disciples noted that Jesus would get up before dawn even, not every day, but he would get up, it was, obviously he didn't get up before dawn because, or every day, because they noted it, it was something special. 
when he needed special guidance. Other times, he would, it was late at night, he'd be seeking the Father's will, such as a critical time he faced at the cross. It's that, it's that love affair with God. Oh, I want to spend time with you, Father. I, I, I want to spend time with you. You don't have to say a lot. I just want to be in your presence. And you know God speaks because he rewards those who seek him. So, what did Elijah want? Talking about our wants. Well, Elijah was passionate for God's glory and influence upon Israel. What's your passion for God? Is it to see your children raised to follow Jesus? To make a lasting impact? To see patients receive proper care in your job if you're working in the care industry? To see children and youth raised with respect for others in the classroom? To see if you've got that promotion, I could, I could change the blame culture in our organisation? Joseph was positioned for power and transformation in Egypt. So when and Egypt prospered because Joseph was raised to governmental level, and when that was a preparation for when God's Exodus people left to the Promised Land, the Egyptians were throwing their gold and silver at them. Where did that come from? <laughs> Joseph's administration, because. Joseph understood the big picture of what was happening with the purposes of God. So what's your passion to impact society for Jesus? And the the question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the next question is, what am I going to do about it? I mean, some of the passions that people have had in this church have been fantastic. Some one or two have got a, a passion for book club, a book, so they do a book club. And it's wonderful to see people being discipled, coming to know Christ through that. So good. So in, yeah, so good. People are coming to Christ. People are coming to, to uh, let's be truthful, people are coming to the circumference of the, the church through that. But I'm every, every confidence that people come to know Christ through these sort of initiatives gardening the prayer garden's going well we've got a digger down there this week Robin was sitting on a a digger and a a dumper, not at the same time but it's been transformed that's going to win people to Christ all developing ministries because that's the question What, what do I love doing and how can I bring it to bear and make it available Holy Spirit, speak to me and what's your real passion I heard Bob Roberts Jr. recall a story of a man who had responsibility for developing the nation's educational system. Instead, because of the mindset of thinking that was elevated in where he was, that he, he, was, he was informed that church, mem- church leadership is more important than secular leadership. And so he got involved leading the church. He, 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 he took it to 100 people, yet he was depressed. Had that guy missed his calling? 100 people or changing a nation's educational system. <laughs> Kingdom of God thinking, not church thinking. Yeah. Wow. Wow. A word of wisdom, though. Whatever calling God gives you, he never calls you to sacrifice your relationship with himself. Like, if I'm doing that job, I can't have an ongoing daily relationship with God because it's a no-go area. With your marriage, if you're married, or your children. In the Old Testament, it's full of, of child sacrifice. Pagans putting their children on the sacrificial altar. 
God's a father. He's not going to call you to do something where your children are sacrificed on that altar. Because he's a, we're talking about the father heart of God. So the Lord appears to Elijah, and the, Lord, and the word of the Lord came to him. It came with a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's interesting conversations. We're, all, we're always using question marks, aren't we? How are you doing? What's happening in your life? I wonder how many of us would admit to any questions God has asked us recently. Because he's, he's a loving, he's relational. And God wants to ask us questions, not to condemn us, but to help clear our thinking. He knows what's going on in our mind, so it's just to help, to help us. Why are you doing that? Why are you not doing this? And so that helps you begin to work it through. So be expectant. If you are going to be seeking God at a deeper level, he may ask you some questions that will be real helpful to you in processing the next step of your life. Is that helpful? But it's there in Scripture. Go and stand in my presence. That was the word that came. First word, go and stand in my presence. So it started with a question, came with a challenge. Go and stand in my presence. You can stand in my presence because you're a priest and king unto the Father. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus to stand in the presence of God. Look at that, just standing in the presence of God now. You can do it. You're entitled to stand. You don't, have to, you don't have to come to him on your knees. You can stand in his presence. And so he goes and does it. And after that, there followed a cacophony of noise. Hurricane, wind, thunder, an earthquake, then fire. But the Lord wasn't in any of that. Now, prophetic people would have loved to have been there at that point with Elijah because their prophetic juices would have been flowing. Thunder, earthquake, wind, and fire. They would have been prophesying over Elijah. But he wasn't in that. He was in the still, small whisper. Wow. After the fire came the gentle whisper. And God gave him through the whisper a clear mandate and a direction for the next phase of his life. Go and anoint these three people for multiplication and passing on the baton. I love the words of David in Psalm 85. He wrote this, I hear the most gentle whisper from the one I never guessed would speak to me. He describes God's voice as a gentle whisper. It's time to seek the Lord if we're going to be really fruitful. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. Don't just stumble into this next phase of your life. Seek him. He's there to be found. He wants you to find him. I've just finished. I'm just going to land it by talking about liftoff. In Deuteronomy 32.11... It says this, Moses was recounting about God's dealings with his people. The eagle that stirs up its nest, it hovers over its young and spreads its wings to catch them. 
and causes them to rise on its pinions. Wow. Has anybody ever heard that verse before? I googled it on YouTube yesterday morning. Eagles being turfed out the nest. Right, here's what happens. Um, Can you play God for a minute? (laughs) Can you just stand there looking at me? Thank you. Right. Now, what God has just done to the eagle's nest, he has gone in and broken it up. Because the eagle's nests are are built of um, thorns and and, uh, and branches, but they coat it beautifully inside with wool and feathers. It's beautiful down so the eggs laid, right? The baby's been fed, right? God, eagle in this instance, the the daddy eagle, or mother eagle, but I don't want to get into that. Um, He's been feeding the baby, and it's now got bigger. It's now flapping. And I watched this video. You can see it on YouTube. He goes over to the end of the end of the branch and daddy god I mean daddy daddy eagle is just standing there looking at him just looking and the baby eagle is and he jumps back into the nest and he finds a scrap and he food another bit of food and uh, he looks around he goes out on on the branch again it's 10 minutes long this is and he flaps and he flaps the daddy eagle knows or the mother eagle knows it's going to fly it's time for transition Thanks, Richard. <laughs> I can't say thanks, God. Well, thank you, Father. The, what happens is, when he talks, he, he, he stirs up the nest. He's making it uncomfortable for the baby eagle. It's not comfortable anymore. You've got a transition. You've got a transition. He's taken all the nice bits out. So I saw another video. I'm really, really into my Bible study yesterday morning on YouTube. And at the bottom of the tree, there's all these bits of fur and feather. He's turfed out the nest and one of the things we need to be aware of is that sometimes the discomfort you're discomfort that you're having is because god is behind the discomfort because he wants you to fly and not stay in the nest and he'll teach you how to fly at a new level my wife has been so concerned at the lack of healing she'd been praying for She's become uncomfortable. It's been really painful. And she, I'm going to pray for more healings. She's seeking God over it. She's flapping. And, sorry, did not, no, she's meant to be really nice. She, she, you're, you're soaring, you know. Church. We're on mission. God's been speaking to us this morning, hasn't he? About lost and found. Do, we, do lost people really matter to you? It's time to seek the Lord, isn't it, for your neighbours? Isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, we, we just become consumers, don't we? Yeah. If we just turn up to church on a Sunday and good talk today or not so good, good worship or not so good, you weren't born for this. You were born to be transformers of society, to take the gospel, to make a difference in prayer. You were born again to hear God. It's always a tragedy when a baby's born and he can't hear. She can't hear. You weren't born for that. Come on, church. Let's seek the Lord. Let's be stirred what God's got for us. We're hungry. We we, we are hungry. Richard and I, we're hungry. Sir and Pam, we're hungry for God. 
And I'm seeing the eyes of some of you, and you're hungry for God too. Amen.